Hello, everyone, and welcome down to episode number six of the Down South Photo Show with me, Brendan Waits, and my mate Cameron Blake, who is back in Hobart Town, but I'll come to him in a second because... Unlike last week, I'm going to remember to ask everyone to please subscribe to our YouTube channel or to subscribe to the podcast that you're listening to. And feel free, whenever you want, to leave a little comment below. Also, ring the bell and thumbs up and all that stuff. How did I do that time, Cam? You did fantastically well. A little bit of coaching and you're all good. So I'm still stuck being the intro guy. You are the intro guy, but yeah. you said your own name this time and you did the right plugging, so... Yes, well done. I did. Good. Oh, 10 I, points. Thank you. And um, I also remembered to um, get a new background. So I yes. yep. can't guarantee this is going to happen every week, folks, but I do have a new background and I'm still yeah. in the wrong ratio, but that's fine. That's okay. So uh, I'm going to. You, you've done very well to get your background. That's six weeks in the making. Thank you. Um, mm. Let's start with your background. Is yours the same as last week? No, you've changed. My, mine has changed for those who are listening and, and cannot see. Yes. Uh, I've changed my background to a snowy cradle mountain uh, landscape because uh, we are expecting a pretty big snow dump down in Tasmania and southeast Australia this week. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm just going to sit there and look at my backdrop because as we'll explain as we go through, I am back in Hobart. But... I am not going. I'm not going anywhere because yes. I am. Thank you to Victoria. I am now quarantining at home for 14 days. Yes. See, welcome to my planet. Uh, but yes, um, I, I I would also like to thank New South Wales for giving it to Victoria. But if we go down that rabbit hole, we could be here all night. Hey. Yeah. It is it's it is, it's it? happening, folks, and that that's mm. that's just that's what we're doing. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, so, um, my background, just if those play along at home, is Point Lonsdale, and I have already said pretty much in every second podcast that we're going to talk about Point Lonsdale at some point. Uh, that is the Point Lonsdale lighthouse right there, and the jetty, and this was at an ultra low tide uh, mm. quite a few years ago now, that photo, yep. and you've got all this really almost fluorescent moss growing there, which was really cool. Um, yep. I love taking photos down there. It's an awesome spot to take photos um one other little thing that hopefully we've now fixed with the podcast is the audio so hopefully. we should now have slightly better audio because we're using a zoom platform to record this we rely on the good old interweb to not drop out um, yes. but it has been from time to time messing with the audio a little bit so we are now recording a separate audio track which we can add to the podcast later and how long did it take us last night? Take me last night to work out this microphone, Cam? Uh, for those playing at home, you do, <laughs> if, you, if you tuned in last night to us trying to figure out how to set up these microphones, mm. lucky we can turn a camera on. I can tell you now, because if someone yeah. said to us, hey, the world depends on you setting up a mic on two channels at individual houses, yes, uh, you may, all start, may as well start digging your own grave because we're and, in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, the, the clincher is... Cam works on a Mac and I work on a PC, so yes. we couldn't really help each other. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to help myself anyway, but we mm. couldn't. It was it was the blind leading the blind, but we got there. We think, and we think we we're did. recording much better audio this time. And I'm, I'm going to drop I'm going to drop a plug. I'm going to say thank you to our good mate Bevan uh, for yes. the advice that he gave us, uh, good or bad. Uh, thank you, Bev, uh, Mister Technology Pro slash Microphone slash Radio Man. Yes. Um, thank you for helping out. So. We hope this is going to work. Uh, 
see how we go. Um, and would it be fair to call Bev a DJ? No, I think that would be unfair. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, he is yeah. going to. He will hopefully do our voiceover intro in a couple of weeks or next week or whenever. Yeah, we're, so we're going to we're going to employ him with nothing and yes. give him a give him an intro to do for us. So he's he's a Mister Mister Radio Voice. He does lots of radio overdubs and uh, yeah, he's very good. He's a lot better on a microphone than you and I are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's enough pumping his tires. He hasn't done anything for us yet. So that's true. He let's, hasn't done anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's start with um, your week, Cam. And I know it's been, yeah. it's been. Um, how can we put this? There's been a lot going on. It's been a busy week. Uh, funnily enough, doing not much. Um, so we were, after we recorded our last episode, we were still in Melbourne at Mum and Dad's. And uh, we could see the writing on the wall that the cases, the COVID cases were building in Victoria and New South Wales. And then they had those three removalists that did the wrong thing and it all went sort of pear-shaped from there. But what we did is we tried to do the right thing. We tried to get back to Tasmania as quick as we can. We tried to move flights forward and, and whatnot. And we, we had all that set up and then Victoria went into lockdown. Uh, our state premier locked us down the next day, which meant that we were technically trapped in a high risk area being in Melbourne. We weren't at any high risk zones or spots or premises. Um, so he locked down Tasmania. So anyone coming down after the day or the time that he set uh, the lockdown in uh, has to go into home quarantine for 14 days. So we missed out by about 34 hours getting back yeah, here. Yeah. Um, and now we're at home with all of us. So wife and two kids, uh, we are at home uh, for the next 14 days. So I know you make, uh, what does it make? When you get delivered lemons, you make lemonade. <clears throat> so I'm going to try and do as much as I can. Uh, I'm going to run some maybe online sessions, some Zoom sessions about editing and a few other things. Uh, probably scratch up on a few uh, website updates and keep myself busy for 14 days. So I now f- I know what it feels like. Really? Yeah, yeah. But like I said to you um, in, a, in a text message, that's the reason why Tassie is doing so well is because they're, yeah. they're strict um, and you know it would be awful on that island if um, coronavirus took hold it's awful anywhere but it'd be awful particularly in Tasmania if coronavirus took hold yeah and I think exactly. so far you've probably had the least number of cases of uh, other than yeah. the nor- other than the northern territory yeah, yeah. I, I suppose at, at, the least number at the very start we had a bit of an outbreak in the northwest um, but since yep. then like yeah credit credit where credit's due they've done an extremely good job down here uh, we have a natural barrier obviously with Bass Strait and we can really control what comes in and out so um, not complaining. Um, it's disappointing, and uh, like I said, with my backdrop, if there's a big snowstorm coming through this weekend, and I'm sitting at home, it's going to be hard. Um, but you know, yeah. it snows. It snows every year, and you know, there's no no rush. That's for sure. So do the right thing. Stay safe. Keep everyone else safe. Um, going to get a test tomorrow. Get my first test I've ever had. So get that done tomorrow. So looking forward to that, and then uh, hopefully out. Uh, free on the 1st of August. So is it right that you have to test on day three and then again on day 13? Is that right? Uh, technically meant to be day two and 12. Okay. But but we couldn't get into a test today. Right. <laughs> on wow. day two. So um, so that was a bit, bit of a funny one. But yeah, so we get a test tomorrow and then another one a couple of days before we leave. Yep. get out so it is yep. what it is we'll make no, the most of it that's Good exactly right <clears throat> that's exactly right and it sounds like you're going to make the most of it in terms of your business um spend a bit of time in front of the uh, computer by the sounds of that and yeah have some time with the kids mate more time with mm. the kids hey yeah, what you could can't be... go wrong with exactly what? what could be wrong with that so and, and, um, and how, how's your uh, little week been has it obviously been eventful as well with lockdown yeah so um uh, we recorded 
must have been last Tuesday, and then mm-hmm. by Thursday night we were in lockdown. So yeah. um, here in Victoria, it, it moves very, very quickly. Um, I think that comes with experience. Um, so you know, we yeah, the writing was on the wall for us as well. We knew it was coming. So um, yeah. into lockdown for us, which which hurts. Um, my business because I have two retail outlets that rely on foot traffic. Um, as much as we do get a spike in online sales at the you know at these times, which is which is really really appreciated and really helpful. Um, yeah. Generally speaking, my business falls down to around twenty five thirty percent of what it's or of what it was running at. So that can be yeah. quite that can be quite tough. So yeah. you t- you take to social media, you take to well, particularly Facebook. Straight away, I do my live post to Facebook whenever we go into yeah. lockdown. Um, now that the lockdown has just been extended for another week, which we found out today, so we're another week. So podcast number seven or episode number seven will be coming to you live from lockdown uh, <laughs> as well. <laughs> as well, um, but like you said, Cam, it is what it is, and mm. um, we've got to make the most of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's sort of a bit broken recordish, though. It does get old really quick when you've um, when you've got staff yeah. to worry about and you've got shops to worry about and rent to pay. All that sort of yeah, stuff doesn't right. stop. But um, again, and I've said it every time, I know there are businesses doing it way harder than I am, and I'm lucky to be in an industry that I can um, attract online sales and that sort of stuff. So, um, so there was all that, and yeah. you wouldn't believe it, Cam. I took some photos. No, no yeah. way. Accidentally, accidentally. Yeah, or? yeah. I lent on my camera and triggered it. And went to, Holy, what the hell was that? And it, yeah, yeah. it made this noise. Um, right. No, uh, day one, two of lockdown. We um, yeah. there's a guy across from me who's got his little coffee shop there, who parked his motorbike out the front. I did see that shot, and I just thought, you know what? Cool. I need a bit of creative outlet here. Yeah. I was a bit angry with the world, so I thought. Hey mate, what are you doing with that motorbike? Do you reckon we can take it downstairs to the underground car park and rip off a couple of shots? So I went down there, mm-hmm. um, had one of his staff, who's actually a very keen photographer. Um, cool. shout, shout out to Liam if you're listening. Um, he shoots a lot of film and um, good boy, young young dude. And yeah. he, I said, Liam, bring a bucket of water. And he said, "What the hell for?" And I showed him, and yeah, we and I'll. Uh, so it was, I'll, a, so it, was a, it was a mini masterclass, really. Yeah, kind of. It was a, uh, but I, as I said, it was very self-indulgent because I needed yeah. to, <laughs> I needed to get behind the car. I just needed to get creative, and I pour a lot yeah. of energy into it. Uh, so, if I haven't already, the photo will appear on the screen. Well, one of the photos will appear on the screen. Oh, yeah. uh, the the owner of the bike, Gino, was wrapped with it, and then he put it up on his Insta and shared it, and yeah. blah blah blah, and it was great. And I enjoyed it. It got, it, as I say, it blew off a bit of steam. Blew off a bit of steam for me, so that was good. And I'm sorry, I'm rabbiting on a bit here, but I also had to do a delivery um, down of some photos down to Airlie Beach. Airlie Beach, listen to me, Aries Inlet, Aries Inlet. Are you sure Airlie, you live down there? Are you sure these photos are done all fake? Do you actually live somewhere else? Airlie Beach would be three thousand kilometres north, but it's, it's it, you wouldn't want to go there, would you? Well, I wouldn't mind. It's warmer. Is that um, under lockdown? <laughs> Probably. Um, Aries Inlet. And on my way to Aries Inlet, we've already talked in this podcast about, um, you know, seizing the moment and and, and, Mm. and stopping the car to get the photo. So this is what happened to me. I'm driving down there. I get through... Um, I get through Anglesey and then there's a uh, little point off Anglesey and 
I'm like, oh, I was really stormy and miserable. I thought, ah, I probably, I should stop and take a couple of photos. And then, of course, realized it's lockdown. I'm not allowed out of the vehicle. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. get around two more bends and here's this massive rainbow lighting up the very of tip of the peninsula. And it's just backlit and it was going off. And I'm like... That, 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 that's Mother Nature just giving you the middle finger to yeah. all, all of us. That's Mother Nature giving us humans yes. the middle finger. It's like you can't handle your pandemic and you can't handle your climate change and everything like that mm-hmm. well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna toss up some epic photographs that you yeah. just can't take <laughs> yep so it was um uh, over point road night i think it was point road night yeah. and then drove up a little bit further and i could see the split point lighthouse uh yes. which is off aries there and just had to stop so i did i didn't get out of the car i just stopped I had the camera gear beside me and I, um yeah. that i found a safe spot to stop for the for the uh, yeah. rain- rainbow thing, there was nowhere safe to park, so I couldn't yeah, get the shot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was it was really, as you say, it was sort of um, it was like uh, sometimes you feel like the the world's conspiring against you, I guess. And, yeah, and yeah, that, it, it was just one of those moments. And I just yeah. Anyway, point being, um, that may never happen again. I may never see that again. So no. yeah, I, right. we, if you can and it's safe to do so, and you're allowed to do so, get stop, the shot. Stop and get the photo, Cameron. That's it. Yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah. So, so that's that was cool. a little, little so, but I did manage to take yeah. some photos. So, that's which great. I don't that's think I've done since the podcast started. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the first one you take. But I did like that motorbike shot, and I think you've tapped on something there that really quickly is that you know photography can be a lot about mental health. Um, you know, I think so many people these days shoot as a as a way of getting away from things, turning the turning the world off for a while. You know, filling their filling their viewfinder up with beautiful things and just clearing their mind a bit so um i think it's good that if you know if you're in lockdown even just trying to set yourself little challenges around your backyard or front yard or inside do some abstract stuff or maybe shoot food photography do something you know there's so much you can shoot when you're locked down um just to maybe release a bit of that stress and anxiety of being all uh, locked down absolutely um, absolutely that's very very good advice and um i know uh it's different for you because you're in isolation but I mean, which kind of sounds weird because we're in lockdown, but we can still exercise within a 5K radius. So yeah, I, I can't leave the house. Yes, uh, yes. We're not allowed to even go get shopping. We're, all we're allowed to do is leave the house for testing. Yeah, right. So I'll, I'll, I'll get. I'll just get tested every day. Yeah, that's right. And oh, what do you know? My the testing is at Russell Falls. Oh, how about that? What are the odds? You know. <laughs> yeah, there's a testing station at uh, Dove Lake Cradle Mountain. Yay! Perfect. Yeah, there's. Yeah. There'd have to be one on the top of Mount Wellington, wouldn't there? Jeez, oh, it'd be cold. <laughs> Would be at the moment. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we had snow down here today, but um, yeah. yeah, there's more. There's more coming. Um, so yeah, no, that that that's awesome because what you've what you've just touched on there, and I I think I've already mentioned this in the podcast, but there's the sense of calmness and there's a sense of creativity that flows when you're looking through a viewfinder or you're looking through the camera. Mm. I know it does for me, yeah. and every single time without fail, it's like. It's like I've gone and exercised for two hours. Yeah, I, I yeah. come back with the. It must be endorphins or dopamine yeah, or something gets released in um, yeah. someone way smarter than me will tell me what that is. That the chemical that gets released in my brain when I'm when I see a great landscape and I'm capturing that landscape. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's um, it's just a good release and it's just a good way to put your mind on something else. You're focusing on something completely different to what's going on and yeah, and fresh air never killed anyone. 
No, that's exactly right. No, that's very, very good advice. Um, and this is going to test out the new microphone because it's starting to really rain here. So oh, we'll right. see if the mic picks up the rain in the background. Uh, it's been bucketing down at Ocean Grove all day. Right. So And like proper, proper rain. This is the wettest winter that we've experienced in ever. Right. Lucky, lucky you're in lockdown because you can't go anywhere. Why would you want to go anywhere? No, that's right. But... Um, couple of wicked storm fronts have uh, come across. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping tomorrow that we sort of get them in daylight hours and um, I will yeah. go for my 5K exercise mm. walk. And what do you know, the little SLR will probably find its way into my hands as well. Perfect. Yeah. So what are we, uh, what are we talking about this week? We had a, we've had a, a bit of a think about this one, haven't we? Yeah, we have. I mean, it, again, the... the, the, the the topic that we've got for landscape photography, or photo I mean, and a lot of it's photography in general, is very, very broad. Mm. So we wanted to tap into the broadness of photography and landscape photography. We want to talk about what makes a great landscape photo. Yeah. Um, and this will be uh, more of an opinion piece, probably more than anything, because um, what I think we makes a great we landscape might. photo and what you think might make a great landscape photo could be two different things. We might we might chuck some tips in there as well, but I'm going to let you go first on this one because I I'm interested to see you know where you're coming from because I think we're we're a little bit different in our in our way of approaching photography. You're definitely more of a coastal photographer, um, so and I, I must admit I struggle when I go coastline. I I sort of look at coastlines and think, oh, how can I make this look really good or really you know a bit more interesting? Yeah. But put me in put me in mountains and forests and it automatically just seems to come naturally. So. I'm interested to see how you approach things because I'll probably learn something myself about how you look at things and what you think makes a great landscape photo uh, coming from your sort of background and then I'll probably chime in, chime in with a bit of rubbish as well. Yeah, look, for, <laughs> for me, and, and I suppose it's photography in general, and, and, and this will come as no surprise to anyone when I say this, uh, what makes a great landscape photo, photo, in my opinion, nine times out of ten is light and the kind of light that is captured. Um, and when you the, the the kind of photo landscape photos that stop me in my tracks generally are the ones with amazing light. So yeah. and and the cliche of the sunrise, the sunset, the golden hour, the blue hour, they're cliches for a reason, and and that is that generally it works um, when you get good light in 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 a, in a shot. So. Again, that's a fairly easy answer to say. Yeah, it's it's great lighting, blah, blah. and and. But the thing is, what people don't generally understand is to get that light can sometimes take such a massive effort, but other times it'll just come to you. So I've been out taking, I never go out and say, I'm going to take a great landscape photo. That's never going to happen. So yeah. I always go out and put myself into positions where I've got my best chance of capturing good light. And again, yes, that is the cliched sunrise, sunset. Yeah. So quite often, particularly locally, and at the moment this is quite poignant because we're in lockdown, um, I will think about, okay, I'm two hours out from sunset, for example. Mm -hmm. Where is the sun going to set? What's going to give myself under the current conditions? What's going to give myself the best chance of getting some good light? Now, what is good light? Well, that's open to interpretation. Generally speaking, though, I like good light falling on my subject, not necessarily... Yeah good light like a good light source so by that i mean you know literally taking a photo of the sun and the sunset that's great but yeah. good light falling on a subject is what it's all about for me and some of the best landscape photos you'll see 
have done exactly that. They've almost got their back to the light, or at least it's side on. For example, that beautiful mountain that's behind you. Um, you know, you can see how the light sort of uh, paints the picture and gives you the definition in the in 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 the top of that mountain, for example. Or yeah. if you're looking at the photo behind me, which is a Lonsdale jetty, you can see that photo is actually backlit. The sun is setting behind that jetty, which you know fit. A lot of people say, "Oh, that's that's breaking rules. You shouldn't shoot directly into you know what a crock." Of course, you can you can shoot, do whatever you want. But generally speaking, what makes that well, it's an okay photo, but what makes it a good photo is the light. Yeah. So number one for me is light, and I'm only going to say two points, so I won't go on all night. But number two for <laughs> me, and I'm I'm probably stealing from Cam, but of course it's composition. It's always yeah. composition. Um, it's always knowing where to place your subjects within a scene and also and always knowing that you are telling a story this is the way i think i'll look at a scene and say okay what is going to make the viewer stop they're flicking through photos they're looking at instagram they're on facebook they're on my website what is going to make a viewer stop and say now that's yeah. that's pretty stop, cool stop Stop them in their tracks, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and generally speaking, that comes down to good composition. Yeah. Okay, so then the natural question is, well, what is good composition? And, and generally speaking, for me, it is having a main subject with something that can overlay that, which either complements it or leads the eye towards it. Now, yeah. The leading lines thing is a cliche as well. It's been done to death. I get that, but it's my go-to. So if I'm, if I'm ever... Uh, if I have photographer's block, which is a thing, and I'm sure Cameron suffers from it as well, um, you know, you get to a location, it's like, how am I going to paint, tell this story the best? Leading lines, folks. Look out yeah. for leading lines. So, uh, again, the photo behind me, which is completely coincidental that I put this photo up. Yeah, there, there are yeah. lots of different things, different elements in this photo. It's not a traditional photo because I've basically blocked the main scene with a great big jetty, but you've got leading lines of the rails heading off yeah. to the right. You've got a little break uh, below with the with the color of the, the moss, uh, what do you call that, seaweed. Um, yeah. You know, so looking for lines and intersecting lines and things like that so that your viewer will linger and they'll spend a little bit longer looking at that photo. Um, so the combination, and, and, and there's many, many ingredients that go into making a great landscape photo. But for me, yeah. the big two are light and composition. And, yeah. and, and as I say, I'm sure that's pretty close to the top of your list as well, Cam. But um, yeah. yeah, so as I say, if you're at, if you're, if you're at a, at a uh, location and you're battling, sometimes it's a case of waiting for the light. But while you're waiting for the light, why not spend that time coming up with yeah. compositions and looking for compositions within that scene. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, we've, there we go. We've sorted it. That's how you do it. And so that's the end of the podcast this week, folks. <laughs> Don't forget to like, subscribe. And, <laughs> and that's it. This will be our last episode because everyone will just be great landscape for it. No, no. Um, yeah, no, look, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head with uh, those two those two tips there, absolutely. Um, I think for me, what makes a great landscape? I think I think I'm a little bit sport for choice, and you're probably a bit sport for choice where you are as well. But what makes a great landscape photo to me is a great landscape. You know, if you live in an amazing part of the world um, and you get some amazing landscapes to visit, um, it certainly makes your job a hell of a lot easier to take photographs. Um, but what I like to do on my workshops that I run is I, I teach a little thing that try and get people to remember three little things just to help them um, make a, a lot more interesting and a better looking landscape for, uh, photograph. 
and it's really it's a bit wanky <clears throat> excuse my uh, my language but um what it is as i say you know, don't forget the cat so everyone you know people have cats oh the cat's outside bring the cat in or don't forget you know about the cat the cat stands for something for me it is like i said it's really really wanky but the cat stands for three things composition aperture and time of day so those are the three things i try and teach people in workshops is like you, exactly what you said, Brendan, is that when you get to a, a landscape, the light may not be how you want it to be, or you may be waiting for that light to get better or drop down. But that gives you ample time to, to scout compositions. And, and compositions are exactly what you said. You can use them as leading lines. You can use your rule of thirds to split your scene up. Um, you can find really interesting things in foregrounds. I, I think that's an important part of a great landscape shop is, is having something interesting in that foreground. Uh, you just gotta look at the works of Peter Dombrowski uh, Dombroska, sorry, um, and what he his photos always had something really cool in the in the foreground, whether it ought to be a rock or a river or a plant, and it always led you naturally through foliage or rivers to the back of the scene. So it always took your eye through the scene. So composition is is super important, and it's probably one of the hardest things I think people get their head around is like, hey Cam, how do I how do I make this composition interesting? And I think we've touched on it in the last couple of episodes as well. You know, don't shoot at eye level. You know, drop down lower or get up a bit higher. Don't be afraid to tilt your camera a bit forward and just to accentuate that foreground. Um, so composition and, you know, with the time of day waiting to get nice with the light, that gives you ample time to walk around, take a few iPhone snaps, like we said, as a bit of a test. Is that going to work as a composition or not? Um, the second one is aperture. Uh, in aperture, <clears throat> in landscape photography, aperture to me is, is vitally important to make sure uh, aperture controlling your depth of field and your depth of sharpness through your shot. I think it's super important that you understand how that aperture works in what you're trying to create. So whether or not you're trying to create a scene that has lots of depth of field and lots of sharpness from foreground to background, or whether or not you're trying to, you know, maybe separate something in the foreground and give it a bit more shallow depth of field or vice versa, something in the background and, and blur the foreground. Um, so that's really important, um, understanding aperture. Yeah, can I just um, delve into mm. aperture a little bit as well? You're exactly right. Um, some so if you're looking at landscape photos, generally the the photos that tend to jump out a little more is when the photographer has thrown in a shallow depth of field photo in amongst mm. a landscape scene. And of course, generally when you're shooting landscape, you're shooting uh, at higher aperture values. So you know, your f8s, your f11s, and sometimes even higher, of course, um, because you're looking to get a lot in focus. So the two photos that are behind us in the background now, they would have been shot at low aperture values. So a small opening, folks, if that if that helps you, um, uh, which gives you greater depth of field. And as I've already mentioned before on this podcast, I wish it was called depth of focus. So depth of field. I, I, I call it depth of focus because depth Good. of field confuses people. Yeah, it does. I mean, unless you've done um, a lot of photography or unless you've done a, mm. you know, a uni degree or something, you're yeah, calling it depth of field. It doesn't that's what it's been called forever, so that's why people still call it that. But yeah, I mean, depth yeah. of focus, it's basically what that means is if you could grab that photo, pull it off the screen and turn it sideways, you'd be able, there would be a range where everything is in focus and then it yeah. falls off at the front end and falls off at the back end. Uh, and right. generally speaking, the lower aperture number you use or the smaller hole in your aperture that you use, the greater the depth of field. So going the other way, if you use a higher aperture number, you can create a shallow depth of field. Now, for example, the shot behind Cam, he's got some, looks like some little... Um, 
uh, what are they? Little trees in the foreground? Are they little trees they or yeah, little shrubs yeah, like or something little, in the little foreground? Shrub, little like little little tree trees. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. for example, and, and Cam probably did this when he was there, crouching down lower, bringing those into sharp focus by going to the other end of the scale with your aperture. In other words, opening that aperture right up and getting a shallow depth of field. Yes, you're going to lose Cradle Mountain behind, and I get that. But in some cases, that could actually be. Um, be the shot that sort of stops people in their tracks. Like, oh, hang on a minute. I'm not necessarily looking at an entire landscape that's fully in focus. I'm now looking at one particular part of that landscape. Yeah, and I think uh, we, do, we do actually a bit of that when we do go to Cradle Mountain is Cradle Mountain is such an iconic shape. Um, same with the 12 Apostles and Uluru. You can blur that shape and people still know what that shape is by using a shallow depth of field. So. Be a bit creative. Um, the other that, one I that's, like to That's do... actually an awesome tip. That's really cool. And you're exactly right. Mm. When you go to the Sum Apostles and you can take a photo exactly like I just mentioned, you can have a little flower or something in the foreground. Yeah. And everyone knows that it's the 12 Apostles, the Sum Apostles right. in the background. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and you can do it the other way around as well. Sometimes, and I've done this a bit when I've shot weddings, you can actually shoot through foliage or shoot through forests, but focus on the very back of your frame. So... You know, for example, you know, the photo that I've got here, you could get down lower and actually shoot through some trees or some pandennies or button grass and actually blur them out but have the background nice and sharp. So you can use that depth of field to your advantage either way. You can either increase the sharpness or focus or you can decrease it depending on what your, your topic is or your, your subject is. But and the, and the last one, the T, so composition, aperture and T for Tom um, is time of day. Um, the easiest way to improve your photographs is just get to places at the right time. Um, if you're going to go to, you know, some apostles or the Point Lonsdale pier behind you with their brands, and you're going to go there at midday on a summer's day, yeah, you're going to get nice blue skies and you're going to get, you know, a bit of this, bit of that, but you're going to get extremely harsh shadows, really, really high, harsh highlights and things like that. If you want to get photos that start looking a bit more uh, interesting and a bit more moody and a bit more uh you know more like the the better landscape photographers around time of day is the easiest way to improve that so we touched on blue hour and we talked about golden hour and things like that but um time of day is like this one behind me this is just as the sun's coming up i got there half hour before the sun came up walked around put the camera somewhere i thought i'd like based on the composition and just wait for nature to do its thing so so those three things composition aperture and time of day to me are the three things that you can really improve to get great landscape photos that's um that's excellent and uh some really really good tips there so we're going to have people rewinding and listening back to that because those so. yeah no no that that's really cool um i learned something as well uh, <laughs> uh, there you go <laughs> yeah but for me um and, and we talked about this earlier as well part of the the journey of taking landscape photos is the waiting and quite often I will use two cameras, um, whether it's just, so I'll have my main body that I'm shooting with, generally speaking, with a wide angle lens on. We'll talk a bit about more, more about lenses another time probably uh, when it comes to making landscapes. But I've also have another camera. Now that could be a compact camera, it could be my phone, whatever. And I'm spending that time while I'm waiting for the light, just as you say, getting down low, getting up higher, moving, I am. I never stay still for one second when I'm shooting a landscape. It's very yeah. rare where you'll see me just arms folded waiting for the light. That just doesn't happen. I, um, you know, because that's where, that, that's, that's where we differ. Because I, I, I do the opposite. I sort of get there and I, I go right. This is my composition, and I'm and I'm I'm sticking to it, and I'm going to work with it. 
Um, <clears throat> a classic uh, quick story. There's a gentleman I know that listens to this by the name of David Marland. Lovely, lovely gentleman who's been on many uh, workshops. Lives up in uh, up near the Grampians. Hello, David. And, and he came on a Tassie workshop down here, and we're at uh, Wine Glass Bay, down at the Hazards on Fraser Nay Peninsula, beautiful part East Coast. And it was just this beautiful morning. We had all this red lichen rock all leading out to the water with the hazards in the background. And we had a group of, I think it was about six or seven people in the, in the group. And everyone just got there, got their tripod up, set up something. And then David's like, here, he's over there, he's over here, he's over... It was, he had 26,000 compositions in the first 10 minutes we've been there. <laughs> and I could see that he was starting to sort of panic because the light was getting better and he still hadn't set up something. And I said, dude, pick a spot sit your tripod up and just work with it if it means you need to move half a meter either way work with it or tilt your camera different but sit there and work otherwise you're going to miss this entire bit and he, he, he took it on board he stopped it and he got an absolute cracking photo of the hazards um but yeah just just a little short story hi david sorry to embarrass you um <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he won't mind but, you didn't, you didn't uh, say his last name did you i did drop his last oh, name oh yeah. so i'm gonna have to edit that out now you might have to beep it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, he's he's a lovely gentleman and he supports me a lot. And um, but yeah, just that one example where everyone like we had the whole group set up and he was running around like yeah. a robot. And now, see, this adds fuel to the fire as to why you and I probably need to run workshops together because mm. we we do have different ways of doing things, and yeah. I I just can't. I can't stand still. I yeah. and and maybe it's FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. It, it's probably yeah. a lot of that because. That's in my life every day. So, um, so you know, I, I when I find myself at a at a location, particularly a location that I don't often get to, it's a bit different yeah. here because you know I've been here for fifteen years and I can get to a spot and pretty much know what I'm going to get. So I'll be a bit more relaxed and a bit calmer. But when I'm at a new location, um, oh man, I'm 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 all over the shop. And yeah. and and you're right. It causes a problem because generally speaking, the good light is only for two minutes. Yeah, sometimes right. not even that. And if you're halfway between a location, if you're halfway between potential locations you want to shoot, and that light's going off, um, to, to me that's a lot of what the patience game is with photography. Is that you know what I'm committing to this location or this composition within a meter or two. I think it's going to work, and I'm going to own it. And I, that's what I do. I'm like I'm going to make it work. And if it doesn't work, then I've learned something and I move on. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's 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 cool. That's that's a great yeah. way of doing it. Um, but, but yeah, again, for me, I, I, I would be, okay, maybe have five or six compositions up my sleeve that I think are going to yeah, work. Okay. So um, your mind must be going... Oh, it does, it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, but again, um, like I said before, in the moment when I'm actually capturing those images, it's not. I guess I do start to zone into just that one scene, I guess. I, yeah. I try and pick the best of the five or six, I guess. Mm. Um, and I'm moving tripods so quickly and I'm, you know, but I generally come away with a sense of knowing that I've given it my best shot given the conditions I was given and the location I was given. Yeah. So I haven't wasted that opportunity, but you see it as a different, you see it as a learning experience every single time, which is great. And that's yeah, yeah. probably, you know, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm still on the right side of 50, but, you know, as I approach, that, I might need to sort of chill out a bit more and who knows, yeah, yeah, my yeah, photography yeah. might go through the roof. I'm coming on one of your yeah. workshops. That's it. That's done. Yeah, that's it. You're going to well, teach me gonna, how to relax. I was just going to say, if, people, if people, Brendan and I have been throwing this idea around that we might run some workshops together, if anyone's listening or watching and you think that might be a good idea or a terrible idea, 
chuck it in the comments and let us know if you think we should or shouldn't put something together. Yeah. We might get talked out of this or we might get talked into yeah, it. Yeah, so but... this, is, this is the old hashtag Team Cam, hashtag Team Brendan. But, I mean, that, that comes back to personalities, right? And, and you're going to yeah, have, totally. you know, you, you're going to have people, uh, when, you, when you've run a workshop of six to ten people, you're going to have different yeah. pe- people with different ways. Of doing it. And, and the other thing is you're going yeah. to have people who, you know, are, are time poor so that, mm. that you know, they're, they're at this location, at a great location. They're probably not ever going to go back there or, it, you know, yeah. maybe once or twice in their lifetime. Yeah. So I guess that comes down to planning and preparation and, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're at your location, actually planning out your scenes beforehand and then knowing when and where the light's going to be. And, of course... Where I get the biggest letdown is then when the light don't, doesn't don't, show don't up. Don't mind me. I'm, don't mind me. I'm just adding more to my scotch. Yeah. See, <laughs> I'm not I, sponsored by anyone, but I had a I had a um a little uh some someone sent me a thing on Messenger that said yeah, yeah sure it's tea. Oh right. Yeah. Is it? I bet you it isn't. Well, I'm locked down for 14 days. What's so it? I'm what gonna... you can see the bloody tea bag, Cameron. Isn't that yeah, the best prop ever? There's just sti- a bit of sticky you, tape just here. I was going to say, you can just put a tea bag and hang it at the back and think it's, you know. No one will ever know what's in my cup. They won't. No. But anyway, I hope I hope those little tips about great landscape. And like I said, it, that you could open up a, a whole can of worms about what makes a great landscape photograph. But I think one other thing we could probably both agree on is also just research and just um, looking, you know, at different people's work and getting an idea and sort of paying attention to what they might have done or didn't do and how you might do it differently. And so you can always learn from each other. And I learn from lots of photographers. I'm sure you do as well. Oh, look, all the time. I mean, every time I go to a new location, I learn something or I try and implement something that I have learnt. Yeah. Um, and, and purely and simply, it comes down to experience. So, yeah. you know, um, and I've used this analogy already, but, you know, the more golf I play, generally the better I get at it. The more photos you take, gen- what are you smirking about? You've oh, seen me that. play golf. Shut up. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> you have improved. I give you that. Um, yeah, well, you'd, you'd like to think so, given the amount of money I've spent on golf equipment. <laughs> Hello, Sally, if you're listening. Um, yeah. No, it, it's uh, yeah. The, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So. Yeah. Um, Practice, practice, practice. Oh, all the time. And, and even to the point, particularly, as we've already said in lockdown, get in your backyard with your camera, learn how to change your aperture, learn um, how to change the different settings that are going to help you uh, put your camera on and off a tripod. <coughs> See, that's another area where we differ. Cam hates tripods. I love tripods. Uh, yeah. You know, but anyway, yeah. we will, as episodes come and go, we're, we're, we're going to come back to this topic because it's, it's a fantastic discussion point. And... We had no notes at all tonight, and we have managed to just rabbit on for half an hour just then on that one. Yeah, you know, and and it's easy for us because we yeah. love it, we live it, we really enjoy it. Let's move on um, to dear Cam. We cool. have a dear Cam question now. This was Alison from Wheelers Hill. Hello, Alison. You're in lockdown G'day. just like me. Um, Alison. Um, now Wheel, Wheelers Hill. Where is that? Is that? I believe it's a su- suburb of Melbourne. Yes. Uh, right. Okay. I, yeah. be- I believe so. I'll... I only lived there for 35 years or so. You think I'd know? But mate, I, I live 10 k's from Geelong and well, 20 k's from Geelong. This what Manifold Heights? Manifold. That's an engine part, isn't what it? What even is that? Well, it's. <laughs> I think it's got to do with the Ford factory being there. Oh, well, that makes sense. Well, yeah. the Ford factory is in Geelong, but anyway, mm. we digress. Um, Alison yeah. did send quite a long question in, but 
to condense it down, Alison is an Olympus user, so Cameron gives her a big thumbs up. And <laughs> and Alison was talking about upgrading cameras from like a first edition, uh, like a Mark One model to a Mark Three, which is the latest version of this particular. I think it was an EM One. Was that right, Cam? I think it was an EM Five. Sorry, Mark, yep. And I think uh, Alison was asking whether or not. She had the pro lenses, um, so this is not really brand specific, but she had the pro lenses of the Olympus and was just curious to know whether or not um, she wanted to upgrade the body to like the pro body or the top level body. So, so. I basically went ahead and condensed the question down to, Dear Cam, do you, th- <laughs> do you think it's a good idea to update a camera body? Thank you, Alison. Radio. Well, like I said, this this goes across all brands. So every brand has sort of entry level camera bodies to to more professional um, outfits. So I guess in the scheme of things, I think look the first thing I'd say is we always say invest in glass and get the best lenses you can for your money. The the camera body most of the time is really just a light sealed box with a sensor in it. it you know you can get higher megapixels with higher end camera bodies. Um, but really the lens is what makes your photo nice and sharp and, and you know, good contrast and, and things like that. So I would, I would say, look, depending on, on what you're trying to achieve, whether or not you're trying to improve your photography or you'll get, you may be venturing into a different sort of genre or, you know, if you wanted to do more sports or bird life or something like that, then going up in body to the pro sort of bodies might allow you like faster autofocus, faster frames per second. Uh, you'll obviously get more likely a higher megapixel on your sensor. Um, with the Olympus brand, it won't matter what body you go for, you'll still be on a four-thirds sensor. So they are a little bit limited to 20 megapixel. But if you're using a Nikon crop sensor, you might go up to a full frame, which will give you higher megapixels. Uh, same with Canon and Sony. Um, so look, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting question. But I, to me, I'd be saying if, you, if you're looking to splash some money somewhere, um, splash it on your lenses first. Get, get a good collection of great lenses, the, the high-end lenses first. And then, you know, your body would probably be the last thing you'd look at updating. But for you, Alison, I would always say update and spend more money on Olympus cameras. Um, the <laughs> EM, EM1, Mark, the EM1 Mark III compared to the EM5, um, you get a little bit more megapixels. I find the EM5 a little bit small for my little girly hands. I don't have huge hands. Um, but you get better image stabilization in the, in the higher-end Olympus and uh, probably a little bit better weatherproofing as well. But across the board, I would uh, my advice would be put your money into lenses and when you sort of get to the end of that cash splash, um, have a look at the body and, and how, that, how that body can improve your photography depending on what you're shooting. Fantastic, good answer. Um, and as normal, because it's dear Cam, uh, it should slash, be slash Brendan. It should be dear Cam with a little Brendan, with, with a little Brendan footnote. <laughs> maybe, it needs, maybe it just needs to be dear guys. No, no, no. We're dear Cam is dear Cam is getting traction, Cameron. We, we it's our branding. <laughs> right, um, I'm with it. Alison, the question I would have, given that I know the model of camera you're coming from. Um, should I upgrade the body of my camera? And the, the answer I always give is, why have you lost yours? Um, yeah. <laughs> like the, 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 the camera you've got is awesome. Any camera that was built after 2010, any SLR, fantastic. It's going to take great photos. If it's starting to play up, if it's not reliable anymore, or you've lost it, then replace it. That's my advice, and I run a camera shop. Um you know, yeah, you're, you're putting yourself out of sale. Well, there's, you know, yes, I am. But the yeah. early days when it came to equipment, I suffered from gas. 
gear yeah. acquisition syndrome. Um, yeah. And that is falling for the marketing, falling for the, uh, you know, it, it got ridiculous. At one point, Canon were putting out a new model every nine months, yeah, um, which was just, come on. I mean, that's, yeah, that's over the top. I get it that you, they've got to compete with what other companies are putting out and there's this bit of an arms race and, of course, there was the megapixel race. I understand all that. But, um, you know, most of my shots are, are still being taken to this day with a 12 to 16 megapixel sensor on a camera that I know is reliable, but more importantly, I know it and I yeah. know where all the things are on it and what to sure if you upgrade within brand so if you're going from olympus to another olympus the learning curve will be a lot shallower but if you're going from olympus to canon olympus to panasonic olympus to sony well then you're going to run into a few issues where it's going to slow you down yeah exactly and i think also i think you, you sort of hit the nail on the head a bit there with the with the gas as well it's it, and it's keeping up with the joneses i see so many people just upgrade camera bodies because it's new and it's come out and you know they got the mate they go out and shoot we've went and bought one um i actually get a little bit worried with some people i see on my workshops who they go out and spend a lot a lot of money for no immediate benefit or any benefit at all mainly because their friends got one or like you said they're a victim of advertising where they see oh look this is you know, it's got 50 megapixel. I must buy that. Even though I only put my shots on Instagram, I've got to have the top model of the camera. I think you're 100% right. The best camera you have is the one that's working for you. And I think if you want to sort of compare things, if, you, you know, if you've got a bit of a competitive nature when you're taking your photographs and it's nice to pull out the nice shiny camera, my, my advice would be show them the better photo. Get the better photos at the end because it doesn't matter what camera you're using. It's the end result that's the matter. So if you can get those great classic shots that you're shooting and you're shooting it on a budget camera, kudos to you because you're you're probably miles ahead of the game as it is. Cam, that is exactly spot on. And and, and if you're new to the game and you're coming into it to buy new gear, you're not upgrading but you're buying new gear, so going away from the dear cam question a little bit, mm. then I can understand wanting to get value for money and wanting mm-hmm. to because it's an investment, you want to, you know, you're going to hopefully be using this thing for 10 years. Uh, maybe even longer in my case i've got a camera that's 12 years old now um yep. you know i get that then then it's worth doing your homework and doing your research but in terms of the question itself do you need to upgrade is it broken is it not working or have you lost it if the answer is yep. no to all those and eh, i'd give it yep. I, I'd, I'd give it a second thought it's like a car isn't it if your car's running you wouldn't just go buy a brand new one i love cars all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, no. I drive awesome. a I drive a van. Um, awesome question though, Alison. Thank you. Thanks, um, Alison. That was great. And, and I'll see Alison on my Lightroom editing session tomorrow night. She's actually you, tuning in from Wheelers Hill. You so. you will, but bizarrely, Alison won't know that because this is going out in three days' time. Don't That's you right. don't so you love how all the time travel stuff that goes on with yeah. these pods? We record it and then when it goes out and then talking talking of cars, do you own a DeLorean? Oh, hey. <laughs> now you're talking. If I turned right. my background off, you would see my Back to the Future poster over my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Great movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we are children Thanks. of the '80s for sure. Um, mm. Fantastic podcast tonight, Cam. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. Just a quick plug for our businesses. Uh, I am Brendan. I run Camera and Photo. That's cameraandphoto.com. Uh, both stores currently closed, sadly, due to the COVID-19 lockdown number five that we are going through here in 
Victoria. So, um, but everything is available online through our website, cameraandphoto.com.au. If you are looking for any equipment, drop me a line. I can get my hands on literally anything, anything. So if you Even want a DeLorean, uh, anything camera, I can get you a DeLorean. Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. Consider <laughs> that. Done. Um, so yeah, if you've got any questions about gear, I've been in the game a long time. I've been in camera retail or, and I do keep up to date with the latest gear. So, yep. uh, and, and as the, I say, the, the, one, the, the one thing I can vouch for with you, Brendan, is when you give advice about camera gear, it is the right advice. I know that you are not there, uh, and I say this hand on heart, that you're not there to take people's money. You're you're there to give them the right advice because you know down the track it's going to be the better outcome for them and you, um, which I think uh, is highly respected by many people that deal with you. There's no point in me um, selling gear to someone, gear that people don't need. There's yeah. no point in me selling that to someone because I've lost them then as a customer. I want yeah, them. Right. I, I, I want them to come back and print their photos with me. I want mm-hmm. them to talk to me about photography. So, yeah, and thanks, mate. That means a lot. Now, your no, no. Uh, do we have a little plug for your setup? Yeah, I'm sitting at home for 14 days. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so, uh, Cam Blake uh, at camblakephotography.com.au and all over social with the same handle. Uh, at the moment, I've postponed a few things. I had an Olymp- couple of Olympus days. I've still got one heading out on the 1st of August that's sold out down here. Uh, looks like I've got to postpone and reschedule a four-day cradle workshop, which was meant to be happening the first week of August. So that's a bit disappointing. Um, but uh, yeah, still got a few things going on. Check the website. Uh, I've got some prints for sale that I've just put up from Ocean Grove. Uh, sorry, Great Ocean Road um, and the Flinders Ranges. But uh, at the moment, I'm going to Pr- take printed in Ocean days. Grove probably. They are going to be. <laughs> um, I will. I will say one thing, um, and we will put it up. We can put it up on here, I think, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I finished. I finished judging the Beaker Street Science Photography Award today. So I announced my top twelve, which then get condensed into a top six versus the popular vote of Facebook for the other six. Um, but we might be able to put up the winning image that I chose, and we'll put it on the. Can we do that? Up here uh, now. Uh, has it been announced or? Well, I think it will be by the time we announce why we release this. Okay. If if we get to this point and there's just, a, and there's just nothing there, yeah, then, yeah, then, nah, that, that, we, nothing we, would make we, me laugh more than if right now all we can see is a black square. <laughs> that's the winning shot. But either way, we will put it up on our Facebook page as well. Uh, the Down South Photo Show has an Instagram page and a Facebook page. It's at Down South Photo Show. So make sure you jump on there and like them as well. Uh, but yeah, that's it for me. I, I've uh, I've got another couple of weeks just to sit around and. Uh, do nothing all right well enjoy that thanks Mm. for listening everyone this has been episode six of the down south photo show and we will see you for episode seven soon cheers guys